Thank you for that prayer, Mike. I appreciate it so much. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn again to the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking at John chapter 12. In our study of the Gospel of John, we come to verses 27 through 36. So the Gospel of John chapter 12 and verses 27 through 36. Now, here is what we are going to do. We're going to stay in the Gospel of John, obviously, this morning. And uh, that's because it is a communion service. And this particular passage goes really well with communion. So it worked out well to be on this particular passage as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. But then, starting next Sunday morning, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of John, and we're really going to focus on Christmas. So on the 12th and the 19th, those Sundays, and then, of course, on Christmas Eve, we'll have a a direct uh, focus on the Christmas message and the Christmas season. In fact, in a sense, we kick off the Christmas season tonight because tonight's service is going to have a Christmas theme that runs throughout it. So I just wanted to let you know that. But as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning, let me read for you verses 27 through 36. Jesus is speaking. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not even know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Well, our first point this morning is Jesus announces his death. In response to a question from some Greeks, Jesus said, The hour has come. For the Son of Man to be glorified. Now we saw that last week in verse 23. Last week we looked at Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And as Jesus rides on a donkey into Jerusalem, the crowds are crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And John gives us the unique perspective that there was great excitement among the people because Lazarus had been raised from the dead, Jesus had raised him from the dead, and everybody now wants to praise Jesus. But while this is going on behind the scenes, some Greeks come to Philip, and they say, Sir, 
we wish to see Jesus. And so Philip goes to Andrew, and Philip and Andrew go to Jesus. And then in verse 23, and Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Philip, Andrew, tell the Greeks that I have come to die. And the time for me to die is now. Now is the time when the Son of Man is going to be glorified by giving his life as a sacrifice for sins. In verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And Jesus gave that important spiritual theological truth that the Son of God must die in order to give forth his life-giving power to others. Jesus had to die in order to give his life-giving power to others. And so it's after saying that that in verse 27, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. If those words sound familiar, they are very similar to what Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not exactly, but very similar. And as he's standing there, and the text tells us that there is a crowd that is now gathered around, maybe including those Greeks to whom he is addressing this. All of a sudden, his soul becomes troubled. He is in anguish of soul. And he prays. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. The whole reason that I have come to earth, the whole reason that I was born into this world, was to give my life as a sacrifice for sins that others might have eternal life through me. In verse 28, He says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. He says, Father, glorify your name. I want your, all of your attributes to shine forth in magnificence, your love, your mercy, your justice, your righteousness in my death and resurrection. May your name be glorified and exalted. And then, folks, a voice comes from heaven. A literal voice comes from heaven. It is God the Father speaking to God the Son. And he says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. We know that the Father has glorified the Son. This is at least the third time that the voice of the Father has come from heaven at Jesus' baptism. The Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. At his transfiguration, the Father said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And now a voice comes from heaven again. But that's not the only way that the Father has been glorified through the Son. In all of his teaching, in all of his miracles, Jesus has glorified the Father, and now comes the ultimate glorification when Jesus will give his life for sin. Yes, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. In verse 29, the crowd that stood there, notice there are people 
standing there when this happens. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Evidently, they knew that a voice had spoken, but they didn't understand or weren't able to distinguish the exact words. Very much like Acts chapter 9, when Jesus speaks from heaven to Paul, to Saul. And those who were with Saul heard the voice, but they didn't know what the voice had said. Something very similar to that happens here. And Jesus answered, verse 30, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. What he is saying is this. I want you all to know that God the Father is speaking to God the Son. I have come from heaven. I have intimate, personal communication with the Father. Imagine standing there and witnessing communication within the Trinity. The Father speaks with the Son. Well, it is in this context that Jesus explains that his death will bring both judgment and life. At the same time, it will bring judgment and life. Verse 31, Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. What Jesus is saying is that when I die and rise again, I am going to bring judgment upon this world. And I am going to bring judgment upon the ruler of this world. And he will be cast out. And the ruler of this world is a direct reference to Satan himself. When Jesus dies and rises again, he brings judgment upon Satan. Judgment upon Satan's system of philosophy and lies. And what that means is he is going to, through his death and resurrection, going to set people free to believe in him. And to have the chains that have bound them in slavery to Satan in this world, they're going to be loosed. They're going to be broken and they will be set free. Because the Son has come. The Son of Man has come to bring judgment upon the world and to bring judgment upon Satan. And then in verse 32, which is the key verse in this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Here's how that judgment is going to happen. He's going to be crucified. To be lifted up means to be crucified, and we will see in just a few minutes all the people understood that. All the people who were there understood that being lifted up meant being crucified. And he said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Now, Jesus is not saying when I'm crucified, everybody's going to be saved. That is not what he is saying. The word people here is a reference to the nations. It is a reference to people groups. When I am lifted up, I will draw people from every people group in this world to me. Those who believe will come, no matter what their skin color is, no matter what their language is, no matter what their cultural background is. I am going to draw people from every background to me. And folks, think about the context. The context is absolutely critical here. He is speaking to the Greeks. And he says, in essence, tell the Greeks that when I am lifted up, they're going to come to me 
and Gentiles just like them are going to come to me from all over the world. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people, all peoples to me. And in verse 33, lest we misunderstand, it says he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. He was going to die by Roman crucifixion. Well, our second point this morning is the Son of Man. The time has come for people to believe in the Son of Man. In verse 34, so the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? He said, we heard from the law that the Christ lives forever and again. It is here, even as I mentioned last week, that the Jewish people have such a fundamental misunderstanding of their own scriptures. They had read in the law that the Christ was going to one day rule from sea to sea, that one day the Christ, the Messiah, was going to sit on the throne of David and rule all nations. Excuse me. And he will. But first, first he must come as the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. First, he must come as the one who bears the sins of the world. First, he must set us free from the ruler of this world and from the system of this world. First, he must come to die. And that's what they missed. We heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? How can you say that the Messiah must die? Who is the Son of Man? Now, he has already said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He has already identified himself as the Son of Man. Not a Son of Man, but the Son of Man. He is the Son of Man prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. He is that Son of Man. And he has come to be glorified. But still they say, so who is this Son of Man? And I want you to notice something very important. And something that is potentially very profitable to us this morning. Jesus doesn't engage in their debate. But rather tells them it's time to believe. He doesn't engage in their debate over who is the Son of Man. But rather he tells them it is time to believe. Verse 35, so Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. So interesting. They say, so who is this son of man? And Jesus immediately says, the light. The light here is a reference to Jesus as the sole source of truth and the sole source of salvation. Again, the light is a reference to Jesus as the sole source of truth and the sole source of salvation. The light is among you for a little while longer. He is going to die in just a few days. Their time is running out. Walk, believe while you have the light. Because if you reject the light, The darkness will overtake you, and the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. And what a reminder to all of us this morning, when we reject the gospel, when we walk away from the invitation of Jesus, 
the darkness of this world engulfs us, a world in which there is no hope, there is no forgiveness, there is no relationship with God. One writer said this, I thought it was so interesting, the darkness is like a great monster. If you give in to it, if you walk into it, it will immediately engulf you. So in verse 36, Jesus is pleading with them. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Boy, talk about a gospel invitation. While you have the light, while the light is right here among you, believe, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. It is time for you to believe. I'm not going to involve myself in your intramural debate about who is, who is this son of man. It is time, it is time for you to believe. Now was their time. Now was their time. And folks, what was true in the first century is true today. For every person, the time to believe the gospel is now. Because you never know when your time on this earth is going to run out. Always your time to believe is now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes those famous words, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The time to believe is now. And folks, let me say this. Not only is now the time to believe, but whatever God is convicting you of this morning, whatever sins you need to deal with, whatever relationships need to be mended, whatever God is dealing with you about, the time to respond is always now. In theology, theologians call this the eternal now. Now is really all we have. The past is gone. We don't know what the future is going to bring. We don't know how much longer we are going to live. The time to make the decisions we need to make in our lives is always right now. And so Jesus says to us, as he said to them, while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons and daughters of the light. When we go to communion this morning and you have time for meditation and reflection, I encourage you to let God thoroughly examine your heart. What is it in your life that you need to deal with right now? Is it salvation? Is it sin? Is it something else? Oh, allow this by means of the Holy Spirit to be a sacred time in your life. If you're visiting with us this morning and have never celebrated communion with us, what we're going to do is we're going to have one of our deacons pray for both the bread and the cup, and then the deacons will come and they will hand out the bread and the cup together. And when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of Scripture, and then we will eat and drink together. For those of you watching by live stream while the deacons are serving communion, we want to encourage you to use this in your own life as an important time of reflection and meditation. 
At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.